All right. Well, good morning to everyone. Thank you so very much there, Brother Steve Harmon, for that intro. Well, we're coming up to a very uh, critical point in our Sunday school lesson. <clears throat> and the title of it is Christ, Our Only Foundation. And uh, when we talk about uh, this lesson here, there are going to be some challenges that we're going to be uh, I want to say introduced to because certain things that we're going through in this lesson deals with the body of the church. And uh, and we as believers, as Christians, we know that um, our foundation in Jesus Christ, it will be tested. And when it's tested, as the Apostle Paul says, he wants us to have a good, firm foundation belief in Jesus Christ. And don't let no and don't let nobody else persuade you otherwise, because the only foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Okay, our lesson is going to be coming from First uh, Corinthians chapter three. We're going to be reading verses ten to verse number twenty-three. And if um, and if I can get a reader who can read verses, uh, let me see. Who can read verses 10 to verse number 15? If I can get a reader out there. Verses 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builder thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundations can no man lay then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Verses 10 through 15. Amen. Thank you, dear brother, and amen. As we know, the first text is what it says. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, as we know. And he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, a wise master builder. Now, we know here, even in San Antonio, um, we are in an area to where the soil is not too solid. <laughs> we know that um, there's shifting of our foundation almost in every house that's here unless you build it upon certain areas to where the soil is very solid. But the foundation is key to every builder. It is so key. And um, um, I may be speaking off the, off the topic, but uh, we even have some realtors that are, that are with RBC. And there are some home inspectors that are with RBC that let me know that there are some people who are building houses with shabby material. And they always they are always taking shortcuts because they want that quick dollar so fast and they want that dollar at my expense and not at theirs. And so God is letting me know right now that whenever God builds something, God is never in a hurry. 
You don't see God rushing to get things done. He does it as his time it at his pace and his own way. And when we take time to stay in flow with God, we would keep ourselves from unnecessary financial experiences. <laughs> we can find ourselves doing much better in God because to build, which means that God is going to build us up in the faith as a church body, which means that he's going to build us up on the foundation under things of Jesus Christ. And when you stay on Jesus, rest assured, you can stand before him with confidence that you have done everything you could according to his plan and to see to it, oh, Lord, that, that, Lord, it wasn't by my strength. It was by the strength you gave me to achieve and accomplish a man this feat. So becoming a wise master builder. Now, whenever a person wants to build a house, he first has got to have some blueprints. You got to put it down and write it down on paper, because when you do that, that means that you got certain things that you want to write down before you put it down on concrete. <laughs> and those blueprints, amen, I'm going to I'm referring to is the word of God. God's word is the blueprint. And there, that blueprint is written and penned by God, authored by Jesus, and it is, amen, authenticated by the Holy Spirit. So God has given us the blueprint, which is the Bible. And then he says here, when this master builder is building, he says, I'm going to lay down a foundation that no man can duplicate. There is nobody else that's going to build the way God builds. And the product that he's going to build with is based upon Jesus Christ. The righteous son of the living God. He is the image of the Godhead in person. So God is going to build up the church community by Jesus Christ. And the blueprints is the word of God. Then he says here, after this word gets in you, he says, I want you to grow and build upon the foundation that I've already laid. If Jesus Christ is the son of God, look towards him and everything that you do to mature yourself in Christianity. Don't look towards anything else that's going to divert your attention away from God. So he says here, amen. Using building material, it's got to be genuine because God is a wise master builder. And Paul, amen, is the one writing this down in paper so we can have it to make application. So Paul became, I mean, Paul, he's the one who proclaimed the gospel, preaching the gospel in places where the message of Christ have not been heard. And as a result, Paul is saying only by the grace of God, which is given unto me, that I became a wise master builder. So Paul, his calling laid to the foundation, which is preaching nothing but Jesus and him crucified. We got to remember that. Once he had laid the foundation, introducing Jesus Christ to the Corinthians and the Gentile world, preaching, listen, sound doctrine preaching clear, sound doctrine. 
And he says, another buildeth thereon, which is a reference talking to other preachers and teachers and ministers in the body of Christ concerning the community at our church. That I know for myself that whenever, you know, uh, any minister who gets the calling of God, we're going to have a one on one meeting with the pastor of the church. He's the shepherd of the church. And when you sit down, and have a one on one discussion with him, there are some things and some questions that he is going to question with. He's going to ask you about. He's going to make sure. Are you sure that God is calling you? And you can't just give him the word. Yes, you got to have some scriptural sound foundational principles to say, yes, I'm called by God. And therefore, once I build my relationship with the pastor and then also discern, you know, concerning the gifts that I have, he is going to ask me to pray before God and see where God would have me to be in this church. So as I came to RBC, leaving another church, it was always the, the pastor's duty to contact the pastor of the church where I just left to get a good report to say, am I legitimate? Am I true to the calling of God? And so he calls up my, my, my former pastor, Pastor Draper, and they both dialogue and come to find out it was a P's and Q's. It was thumbs up. And so Pastor Brown had to go back to my history to, to know that Am I legitimate? Because you got so many people right now who want to get up in the church and, and all of a sudden they want to be in a leadership position. Don't want to sit and learn. They want to be up front already before the people and display their gifts. When first of all, we got to be teachable. We got to sit up under a shepherdship and learn and grow and mature before the pastor puts anyone before the congregation. We got to be sound ourselves. All right. So now <clears throat> there's a reference, as we know, in, the, in this reference, talking about preachers and teachers, because uh, in the text, it talks about Apollos and Paul and Cephas. And um, Paul preaching the gospel, knowing that Peter also preaching the gospel, and Apollos is also teaching the gospel. And then he gives a reference. He says that even though there are Paul, Cephas, and Apollos, he says none of them are greater than the other. All of them are doing their assignment, fulfilling God's purpose in the church. And when people get up in there, we know some people, they like to have the glamour positions. <laughs> and let me tell you this. Uh, Whenever you're out there in front, you are the target that Satan's going to be heading for. The opportunity that you get to speak before God's people, don't think that everything is going to be rosy and creamy. Everything going to be set in order. You're going to be tested and you got to be sure that your foundation is on Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Amen. Now, since Paul is clearly aware of others that's going to build upon the foundation, he laid it offering a warning. He says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So in other words, one who built on the foundation because Paul laid the foundation because Jesus laid the foundation in the Apostle Paul. 
Paul preaching the gospel. He needed to be careful how he or she built on the foundation. This means that they are needed to make sure that who's ever preaching or teaching the gospel has sound doctrine. Ministers of Jesus Christ should take care that they don't build their own ideas or their false reasoning upon the foundation, what Jesus has already laid. What we preach should be the plain doctrine of our master who is perfectly agreeable with it. That means that the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, in tune with my spirit. We're going to speak from the spirit to speak into your spirit. And in doing so, it will minister to you personally, which means that your spirit will be in agreement with the Holy Spirit because we're all in tune with the Holy Spirit. That is what keeps us in one accord. So be careful. So even though we may have new ideas and new strategies, uh, be careful that we don't bring in the world's wisdom into the church and try to get the world's results. <clears throat> Many times we like to put in the world's ideas, which some things may be good, but don't be so, but don't be so, you know, uh, gun ho in that that we put it before God. Every idea that we get before we bring it in the church, we got to be in prayer and make sure that we're doing the things right. We have had many people come through RBC and they would want to come up with some ideas. Many people, they want to, you know, uh, put their postcards and put their business cards up on the board because, you know, they have legitimate business. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't get upset if your business don't prosper just because you put a postcard in RBC. <laughs> and don't blame the church just because your business is not getting off the ground. <laughs> That's when you put in your business before God and not God in your business. Anyway, amen. <clears throat> Even though God is the architect and the designer of the church by his grace, he uses and equips trustworthy believers to help build his church. God called and equipped the Apostle Paul to help lay a solid foundation for his church. So when Paul went to Corinth and shared them the gospel of Jesus Christ as a master builder, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Paul built the Corinthian church on the foundation of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That Jesus died for our sins. Jesus is the resurrection from the dead. And he is coming back to return, amen, to take us up into glory. So both Apollos and Peter, or Cephas, came to Corinth after Paul had continued the teaching that Paul started, that salvation only comes from Jesus alone by faith. It is only through Jesus Christ. Now, we say that, but do we believe it when we get tested by it? <laughs> So I know for myself, I get two distinguished visitors who may show up at your door like they show up at mine. And I love these two brothers. Amen. They wear white shirts and black ties. And I welcome the fellowship. And when we dialogue, my main focus is I got to stay on Jesus Christ. When I stay on Jesus, 
they can't deter me on going one way or the other because Jesus Christ is my foundation. Now, when I stay on Jesus, guess what? They have to follow Jesus in the conversation. Don't bring up what church you attend. Uh, don't bring up your background. Uh, you know, don't bring up, you know, uh, you know, where I work or anything else like that. Let's stay on Jesus the Christ, because that's why you are here in front of my door to talk about Jesus and not religion. So when we talk about Jesus, we stay focused on what he has done for us. And now let me testify the goodness of Jesus in my life. Mm. And in doing so, amen, I keep the conversation on Jesus. The answer is going to be about Jesus. Therefore, guess what, brothers? When we get raptured, we're going to meet Jesus. <laughs> and guess what? We can end on a good note and we can end in prayer in Jesus name and amen. And now I, whenever I do that, I know that there's no argument. <laughs> I don't have to get loud. You know, I, I don't have to get angry or anything else. I just stay on Jesus. <clears throat> and so now guess what? These brothers, they like coming to the address because they like the fellowship that we have. <laughs> So, Lord, as you keep sending them my way, Lord, I'm going to make sure I plant your seed in them because, Lord, because as I plant, I'm hoping that somebody else is going to represent Apollo's water. But, God, you are going to see to it that you get the increase. Amen. All right. So this foundation, amen, can no anybody else lay but Jesus the Christ. The doctrine of our Savior and his meditation, amen, or mediation is the principal doctrine of all Christianity. Jesus is the Christ. He is the foundation. And listen, if we build up everything else, if we build up the walls and the roof and put all the nice uh, stained glass everywhere, we got nice marble floors, we got nice cushioned seats, and don't have sound doctrine, we just got a pretty building without Jesus Christ in it. That's why it's so critical for us to know for ourselves that Jesus Christ is my foundation. Now, after he lays the foundation in us, it's up to us to build from that. And let me say this, Jesus is not going to study the Bible for you. We got to study it for ourselves. Hmm. Let me go on to the next topic here. Amen. The foundation and good works. This verse, it says, now, if any man build upon the, this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Paul is using two different metaphors to describe two groups of materials that people use to build upon the foundation. You can see, amen, the first three groups, they deals with gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, that is the precious material that God is going to use to build up the church. And notice here, the first two, those things, amen, are purified by fire. Gold is purified by fire. Silver purified by fire. The stones, amen, that we find are dug deep in the earth, which are compressed, and now they become a gem. 
So those things are precious. He's going to build up the church by using good, sound materials. So now to know, to those who is using these materials, those represent the ones who preach and teach good doctrine and the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, which means we serve the Lord in faith, seeking to do his will in every single thing that we do. Now, the second group of material, it says there, wood, hay, and stubble, these things which are perishable. The ones who build using these materials represent those who don't preach sound doctrine. They don't concentrate a man on the word of God. Some concentrate on divisions. They bring up conflict. And the truth is not based upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. They kind of serve God grudgingly, not by faith. And you notice here, if our work is going to be tried by fire, guess what? Wood, stubble, and hay, they'll just be consumed just by the heat of the fire. Many people panic when they see smoke. We haven't seen fire yet, and they're running for their lives already. <laughs> but certain things, amen, when we are tested, it is test to prove that you are sure in Jesus Christ. So when trials come to test your faith, do not be weary in well-doing, amen, because in due season you are going to reap because you faint not. Amen. So now let's move on to verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. Now here, we have to be careful, even Pastor Brown knows this, amen, that when we invite speakers to the church, we don't want to be caught up in the person's presentation that we miss the content of the message. Just because the person can sound good, they can present good, amen, the main thing, do not lose the content of the message. Don't be caught up in so much style that we lose, amen, the entire scope of why they're preaching. Make sure we keep our eyes and our spiritual antennas in tune with God. Hmm. So every believer's work or service to Christ will be surely shown. will be clearly shown of what really, what kind of source of material that it is. And the reason for this is, it says, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Now, the words, the day refers to the judgment day of Jesus Christ. So right now, it may look like people are getting away with certain stuff. It looked like uh, trouble ain't hitting them. But God is saying, rest assured, it may look like they're getting away with it now. But there is an appointment that none of us can avoid a man to miss. For it is appointed unto man, amen, once to die, and after this, the judgment. So all of our works and service to Jesus Christ shall be judged. And he is the true judgment of all of our works. So when we, sit, well, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, every Christian's work will be, will be declared as to what material or how sincere I was in serving him. So the judgment day that takes place at the judgment seat of Christ when he returns for his church is when our work or service to Christ will be revealed by fire. 
And that day, the true quality of our materials for every believer will be used and what it took to build up the church in our community because fire is going to test it. Our motives, what was our thoughts? Um, are some people that are going to have unbiblical material to be teaching God's word. Um, some things we're going to be picked up from other folk. It, it sounds good, but it's not sound doctrine. And we got to be careful with that. So then Paul says, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So our motives and actions is what Jesus is looking for. And unfortunately, amen, all of us will have some motives and actions that will be revealed by fire. Because the judgment, amen, that's coming is going to judge our works. This is not judging our salvation in Jesus Christ. We are already saved. That means that we are already sealed to the day of redemption. But he says, but the works that you did while you were here on earth, we're going to try them by fire. And also will let us know where we stood in all of this. Did I do it from a true heart? What I did, did I do things out of sincerity? Or was there an ulterior motive as to me getting up there to display or to preach my teaching. And if we are honest with ourselves, we have to admit that all of our service to the Lord and others has not been done all out of love. And I know for myself, there are some things, amen, that I did out of duty out rather than out of inspiring to do it. But when I come before God and repent and confess he says, man, I'm going to cleanse you from that sin of unrighteousness. But now here's the way to go. And when I go God's way, I can see more fruit in it. I can see that my mind is more stable in it. I can see, amen, that is more godly success in it. So when I do it God's way, amen, I can stand before him with confidence that, Lord, I have done all things through Christ because you are the one that strengthened me to do it. Mm. Hallelujah. Now, since we believers will not have to face the final judgment with the unbelievers at the great right throne, coming from Revelation chapter 20, this judgment that Paul is referring to will not affect our, our salvation, but it also will affect our rewards, what we get in heaven. And some are saying, well, well Minister Ninja, what are the rewards? You know, and, you know, and just reading from this text, it does not give a clear example of what the rewards are. Now, we may get crowns as we get up there, but those crowns are given to us by the Lord. <laughs> so God sees fit that, that we receive these crowns based upon our faithfulness here on earth. Lord, so be it. But our greatest reward, amen, first of all, is getting into heaven. And Lord, out of all the rewards, Lord, if I don't do it and I don't get no rewards at all, I make sure my reward is getting before God in heaven. Hallelujah. Hmm. Amen. The foundation and rewards. And he says here in verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, amen, he shall receive a reward. So just in case there were believers in Corinth who weren't sure of what Paul was saying, 
Here, Paul explains exactly what he meant in the previous verse. He said that if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And we must, repem- we must remember now that Paul is writing to Christians, not to unbelievers. So the work he is referring to is the believer's service to Jesus Christ, which includes service to mankind, but especially to those in the body of Christ. So Paul is saying here that if any believer's work or service, which he or she has built on this foundation, abides or survives the test of fire, he or she will receive a reward. So these are believers who, as Paul said earlier, has built on the foundation of Christ using non-perishable materials, which is gold, silver, and precious stones, which present pure motive, pure thoughts, pure actions. And the truth is that true believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and determine if they receive a reward for their service. And for those work which does abide or survives him in the fire, took time to serve God with all of our hearts, regardless of what we did and what we have gone through. You know, sometimes, amen, that when you would get prepared to do a service for God, all these trials start coming up. It's like things, some stuff, they start coming out of nowhere. Like, Lord, I didn't see this coming this way. And here it is in our lap. And then we got to get before God and teach a Sunday school lesson and present a good presentation from the sincerity of our heart. And whenever that happens, amen, we got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Make sure, amen, I don't bring so much my feelings involved that I get caught up in my feelings and leave the truth of the gospel out. I got to stay true before God and true before the people of God. Hmm. So on the other hand, Paul was aware that there were believers and still are today who are building the foundation of Jesus Christ using, amen, impure motives and ulterior motives. So he said, if any man's be, if any man's work shall be burned, he may suffer loss, but yet himself, he shall be saved. And I looked at that and I said, Lord, give me a good example of what that would mean. And so looking at that, he says, even though I'm going to suffer loss, yet I shall be saved. And so when I look at, let's say, building a house on a good foundation, and let's say that the building is on fire. And in order for me to be saved from the fire, I've got to get out of that building because it is burning up. So when I just barely make it out of the building and the building is still on fire, and when I look back at that building, I begin to look at all of the stuff that I've earned, everything that I achieved, I mean, everything brand new and old is all burnt up in ash. All of my trophies, amen, all of my hard work, everything else that I put in that house is now burnt up. It is now down to ash and rubble. So even though I suffered the loss of my burning house, but yet I was saved from it. I escaped from the burning house. 
So God is letting me know, amen, even everything that we see here on earth is going to be burnt up to ash. He says, set your affections on things above, not so much things on the earth. So even though I receive certain things, I work to achieve certain things, don't be caught up in them. Because certain things, amen, they're here one minute and it's gone the next. So make sure I have mental sound stability to keep my focus on Jesus the Christ. And as a matter of fact, Lord, you gave me the ability to have it anyway. <laughs> and when I, whenever I uh, go, my mindset goes in that direction, I remind myself of what it says in Job chapter 1. Even Job had to go through this when he says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Out of all of that, we still got to bless God and serve God for all he has done. Uh, so the phrase which says he shall suffer loss refers to the loss, amen, that I hear on earth. This is confirmed when Paul says, but yet he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, the word saved refers to salvation. Paul is saying that although the believer will suffer loss of my rewards, they will still be saved. But it will be like someone barely escaping a fire. So now we must remember salvation comes by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And it is given by grace through faith not by works that any man should boast. So salvation is based on Jesus's finished work at the cross. But losing or receiving rewards is how well we fellow, uh, is how well we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit down here on earth as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ and serving others. Amen. So now, amen, Let's go on into verses uh, 16 and 17. If I can get a reader for that. Verses 16 and 17. Know ye no. not that ye. Go ahead. Amen. Go ahead. <laughs> know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are ye? Ye are. Hmm. Mm. What a question. You know, at first, when I first read this verse growing up, amen, I took this personally as for myself. But uh, come to find out, that didn't come when it came to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when it talked about my temple personally. This is talking about the temple of the church, the community church. Now, it says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Now, I begin to ask myself, the temple of God, a church building, right? Now, what goes on in the temple? Let's say that we go, let's say that we go into church Sunday and we go into the church. And what do we do? We go in the church. We greet one another. We have fellowship first. Then all of a sudden we have the praise team. They sing a praise and worship song, you know, kind of bring us in the presence of God. 
Then we have Pastor Brown or the preacher. They get up there and preach and give us a sound word. And then after that, we have a closing and benediction. And then we all go home after that. And so for this, amen, to be the temple, everything that's going on in the church, that should also be happening in us. That really, before I have church, first let me have church at home before I leave my home. Let me have a few minutes of dialogue and quiet time and prayer before I get on the road. So therefore, I'm already in the spirit before I get to the church. So I'm already having church before I get to RBC. So when I get there, amen, my mind is focusing on worshiping and praising God and loving my Christian sisters and brothers in Christ. So all this is happening. And then when it's happening, amen, it says here, do you, do you not know that the spirit of God dwells in you? That means that, amen, I have the spirit of God dwelling in me. Guess what? Before I get to church. So why not have a few minutes of prayer and quiet time right here as I prepare to get dressed, get up in the morning? We know some of us, we got our praise music on. We, we're getting up. Our mindset is on Jesus Christ. Therefore, we uh, get a quiet time before God. Then we get on the road, drive up the RBC in worship. Amen. We park the car in the parking lot, get out of our car. Then we go inside the building. Then we meet the greeters right there. The greeters at the door, you know, give us a handshake. Then we go inside amen, the church. And right there, we see our brothers and sisters in the foyer. We greet one another right there. Then right before we go to, into the sanctuary, we see the ushers are right there to greet us, amen, and make sure that we're seated. And therefore, we get in there. And now we're ready to have praise and worship. So therefore, the Lord, he's setting me up for church before I have church. And in doing so, you can get more out of the service of God when I take that upon myself and make application. So he says, do you not know that that's the Holy Ghost dwelling in you? I said, yes, I know this. Then verse 17 says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple are you? <clears throat> the Bible says, amen, just as God is holy, we should be holy. How can we be holy? The moment we said yes to Jesus, Jesus now resides, resides in us by the person, amen, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then when I go to church and have a congregational worship, amen, if anybody defiles that church, which means if anyone comes in the church preaching anything else other than Jesus Christ, amen, they are now bringing outside material of wood, stubble, and hay and not gold, silver, and precious stones. You know, sometimes we can get into a church nowadays. You notice that some people that they don't even bring their Bibles to church. But we do have, amen, our cell phones and our church. The Bible is right there. 
And now, amen, some people, they don't even look at the at the Bible as on their cell phones. We can look up at this up on the screen. Everything is right there. And what I'm saying here is, is that when don't make two things mean me, don't make things too convenient that we leave the word of God out of the church service. Do you remember the days when people used to have their Bibles on the dash on the dashboard of their cars? <laughs> you know, now you don't see that no more. <laughs> you know. And I know just as a reminder, I was going to the car wash and I got my little, you know, Gideon's Bible up on the dash and I had it folded open. And the person who was right there at the car wash, he says, oh, my gosh, I see the word of God on the dash. And I said, yes. And he said, man, I'm a Christian, too. And he said, man, I needed to see that because he says, I don't see that when people come up in the car wash. <laughs> And I I said, brother, it's a reminder for me that when I get on the road and I look up into the windshield and I see God's word right there, it keeps me in mental focus that, God, I got to keep my mind focused on you. That I don't want to make things too convenient that I leave the word of God out of it. So I put it up there. Amen. It's just a reminder for me and come to find out it blessed somebody else. So now to defile the temple is to preach anything else other than Jesus Christ. I can't not bring amen anything else up in the church and then convince the people to say this is Jesus. You know how sometimes that people like to put stuff and label it at the end that this is God. Knowing that, my spirit is not in agreement with it, brother. I understood what you said, but my spirit is not in agreement with your spirit and what you're bringing it across. I understood what you said, but it's just not in agreement with me. So one time, my wife and I, we, we were invited to a church service, and this one person was, was preaching, and of, of course, you know, at one point, a man, they was doing fine. And all of a sudden they got off track and they were not doctrinally sound. And so my wife and I stayed until everyone left the, the church. My wife and I stayed and we shook hands with the preacher. And we asked them, um, well, brother, when you were preaching about David and, and the five stones, how did you get to this point? <clears throat> it was talking about the five brothers of Goliath. When nothing says anything about that. And he admit that he got that from another preacher because it sounded good, (laughs) but it was not sound doctrine. So he said, well, brother, the only thing that we're doing, we're only bringing the truth to you. And then we're going to let God do the rest. And guess what happened next Sunday? The preacher got up before the congregation and he apologized to the congregation that he was preaching something that sound good. It was in good preaching style. He wanted to get the crowd, you know, kind of riled up and praising God. And he said that he was preaching in error that was not sound doctrine. So God forgave him of that sin. And guess what? Then he was able to preach that Sunday's message with a clear conscience that he is now focusing on Jesus Christ. 
Amen. All right, let's go into verse number 18. Oh, my goodness. Boy, time is running out. <laughs> All right. And verse 18, it says here, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Just sum it up in, 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 a, in a few phrases. The things that we now have, in reality, it's because of God. The reason why, amen, that we are trusters, amen, and receiving gifts from God is because we put our faith in God. And listen, once we know that we are in Jesus Christ, Peter says that Jesus has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we have all that we have need of through the person of Jesus Christ. So now the wisdom of this world is foolishness. And guess what? We can see it all over the world. Using man's wisdom to replace God's wisdom and things are happening, amen, in such a scale that things are ruining before our very eyes. So, amen, I'm reminded also that even uh, Solomon began to write in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, when he says, Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. And through knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. He says, The wisdom of God will build the house. The understanding of God will cause it to be established. And the knowledge of God is what's going to fill the house with all good and precious blessings. So when as we, amen, as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, our foundation will be tested. So in other words, don't let your faith slip through the cracks of your foundation. You begin to make sure that Jesus, amen, there's no cracks in your foundation. Don't leave any loopholes in your foundation. Make sure it is founded upon Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back from the foundation of the church that was laid by him. Coming back for the church. And therefore, amen, Jesus wants to come back to a church that's, listen, that's undefiled and holy. And he would take the church out of the world and we shall meet him in the air. And so shall forever we be with him raptured in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, I'll close in Jesus name and amen.